Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, founder of Coach's And in this episode, I'm joined by Ryan Thomas as we talk about skill acquisition. Coach Thomas is a former Division I athlete at Central Michigan University. He's currently the athletic director and head basketball coach at Impact Christian Academy and owner and director of Hoop Grind Basketball in Jacksonville, Florida. In this episode, we talk about skill acquisition in a saturated world of player development. How do you continue to keep the main things the main things? We talk about the importance of concepts over drills and that difference between skills, drills, and concepts. We talk about the importance of a coach in emphasizing the concepts over the actual drill that we're teaching. He talks about his 70-30 rule and what that means when it comes to player development, purpose, taking ownership, and much, much more. This is a really helpful episode for players and coaches alike. So we really hope that you like it. Special thank you to Coach Thomas. Be sure to check him out. Uh, Instagram, Twitter is a great place to follow and see what he has going on. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge. Let's get to the show. Coach Ryan Thomas, Hoop Grind, Basketball, Jacksonville, uh, Florida, um, Coach, as we dig into this episode, I'm just going to pepper you with a few questions regarding the game, some of your uh, philosophies, some of the pillars of play, uh, and how you develop so many players. Uh, as I've said before, I absolutely love the things that you guys are doing down there in Florida. And I asked you about five questions leading up to this podcast interview. You could really take any direction that you wanted. And one thing that stood out to me the most was or the one word that stood out to me the most was purpose. And I felt like when you responded in a handful of paragraphs, there was so much purpose to every single sentence that you wrote me as far as developing players, developing coaches and teaching the game at a higher level. So in a saturated world of player development, how do you continue to keep the main things, the main things? Yes, that's that's man. First of all, I'm I'm excited to uh, finally be able to connect and, and jump on the podcast with you. Um, I'm excited just to just to chop it up and talk some basketball with uh, another great mind, man. I respect everything that you're doing. Um, I love watching your social media stuff and the content and the the way you teach the game. It, it's awesome, man. So I'm excited to be here. Um, but as far as um, you know, kind of our philosophy and and what we try to do. Um, with our players is, um, man, it's really just dig into, to one, who the athlete is. Um, I think learning your clients, like learning their needs and learning their desires is a huge part of, of what you do as a skill development coach. Um, a lot of times we look at it as the drills or the concepts or the on-court stuff. Um, that's almost secondary. Um, you have to, you have to, understand who that player is when they come into the gym. Um, everything from, from knowing where they are right now, um, what team they're playing in, what position they play, um, what the philosophy of their coach is, what the playing style is, to, to where they eventually want to go. Um, and if you don't know that, there's really no way to build a roadmap for them. Um, you got to know where they're starting and, and where they want to be to really build out a map with purpose to get them to their final destination. Um, and so that's always where we start. If I don't know the player prior to working with them, 
Um, I've got, you know, a million and one questions for them. I'm looking at film. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get a feel for what we need to do when we get in the gym on day one. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think uh, that's huge for those that are coaches and their players are seeking some additional instruction from a player development coach, trainer. And I think that's just as big for just good business, right? As far as you doing your homework, I was texting a varsity coach yesterday. So I'm working with his point guard. And I think he was a little surprised that I was reaching out, but I'm texting him, right? Get get his phone number. What's the role? What, what are the things that she needs to continue to work on so I can get a better gauge of how I can help her? I think that stuff is is huge. You talked about the drills being almost secondary. And I think that there's a big difference between skills, drills, and concepts. So could you break down just kind of how you view skills, drills, concepts, and then how you can use those different things to help your players improve? Yeah, 100%. I'm with you. That is, to me, three three separate categories that build up to the larger picture. Um, so kind of on the, the macro level is your concepts. Um, the drills are that middle ground of how we kind of use um, checkpoints to find understanding and the skills is breaking down each, each movement that, um, and that an athlete needs to be successful. So we look at it, at it as building up the skill, implementing the concepts inside of drills, and our drills are really just broken down segments of the game. So what we want the majority of our athletes to understand is the body mechanics, the movement, the angles, like that's, that's the, the skill side of it. Um, and then when we put in the drills, drills are basically just checkpoints to see if they understand that this, the overarching concept of what we're trying to do. So we look at skills as the big picture. That's, that's the philosophies of coaches. So when your coach is on the sideline during a game, the things that they start to yell, play off two feet, box out, po uh, front the post, like those things right there, those are concepts. And that's, that's how we, we develop our program and our player development. It's all based on concepts. So we have to, again, when we talk about realizing who our players are, where they are, where they're trying to go, like that's all based on the concepts that they're, they're asked to utilize in their specific role. So when we figure out what the concepts are, now we can start to build out, okay, these are the skills our player needs to understand and be able to implement and execute. Once we figure out what those skills are, we show them those kind of micro skills and break those down. Um, then we start to build out, okay, these are the drills that we can work on to, to help you understand time, opportunity, and when we would execute this and what it should look and feel like. I love it. How, how, do, you, how do you balance the teaching of a drill right? Because we, we're using those drills with for a purpose, right? Get back to that word purpose. There's so many drills out there. We talked pre-podcast, pre-recording on this. How do you balance the teaching of that drill? Maybe it's a two-ball drill, a tennis ball drill, a partner drill, could be anything. Well, without losing the emphasis of a, here's how this is still going to apply in the game. Because that's the issue that I see with a lot of private player development 
is I see a lot of the drill without anything. And I'm saying, okay, that's probably going to get back into some game application. Right. Um, so we've, we chunk pretty much every session that we have, you know, and they, they look different for, for a given setting, different player levels, maturity levels, all of that. But for the most part, we chunk and we do all of our quote unquote skill work right up front. So like that's our that's our warm up time. So we're going to talk and we're going to come in and we're going to lay out our concepts. So these are the concepts that we're working on today. And so whatever that concept is, now we're going to start off working on the skills or the, the drills of that concept. So like if you're talking about ball handling and pace, that's where you might look at some tennis ball drills, some two ball drills, like and that's right up front. Um, so we can specifically hammer down what your body mechanics look like. Where's your hand placement? What's your pace look like? What do your, what do your footsteps look like? Um, and we'll start our, start every session like that. And the goal is to get them to understand, okay, this is what it's supposed to look and feel like in a perfect world. Right. But we know the game of basketball is never going to be perfect. There's so many variables that get thrown at them. So after about 15 minutes of our, of our session, we quickly get out of what I would call drills that just work on the specific skills. And then we get into small sided games or we'll add a defender. We're adding some type of um, intensity that is going to throw some obstacles at you and make you have to make decisions. Because I believe that that's where we really get into the real value of player development when we teach our kids how to make decisions because if we look at skills that's the biggest skill that wins or loses games it's your decision making so if you're not spending the majority of your player development time on decision making I think you're missing a large piece of the game you know you could spend 30 minutes on two ball ball handling or you could spend five minutes on two ball and then you throw a defender on them and, and we're working on making decisions, making reads, feeling defenders. Um, I think when you have to add that extra element of making the decision, that's when you start to find out, um, one, where you're at as a player. And so now we can start to, again, tweak our roadmap based off of, okay, what does it look like when they have to make decisions? Are they comfortable and competent with the skill enough to actually implement it in, in a game setting? Because what I see a ton of is players that are great dribbling around cones or dribbling with two basketballs, three basketballs. I can catch a tennis ball, throw a tennis ball, and still keep my dribble alive. But as soon as you put a defender out in front of them, then like they can't function at all. In your email to me, you talked about essentially like a 70-30 rule as far as how players can go about practicing and proving their game, right? About You talked about some of the things that are a little more growth oriented versus some things that they're going to be doing right now today if they were to play a basketball game. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, so when I think about player development and just the overarching concept of getting a player where they need to be and where they want to be. Uh, the first thing I think about is our players, they want to be on the floor. 
right? So what I need to know, again, we're going back to, to concepts of what's your role, where are you, who are you? Um, and we're looking at, okay, what, what is it that your coach and your team needs from you just so you can get your, your feet on the floor and your butt off of the seats, right? So that's where we start. Um, we're spending 70% of our development on the things that are going to help you be impactful on the actual game of basketball, right? Where you are right now. We all know that every player has aspirations of scoring 20 points a game, right? In reality, there's not a lot of kids that have that role even in high school, right? Let alone college. So we get our focus off of, you know, the role that they want. And we, we focus a lot on the role that they currently are in. And we figure out the plan to implement the 30% of the time where we can start getting, okay, what are the next two things we need to add to your game to help you get where you want to go? And that's kind of our 70-30 our approach. 70% of the time we're focusing on, you know, stuff that's probably a strength for you. And what's, what's helping you get on the floor, stay on the floor. And then that 30% of the time is, is, is twofold, really. One side of that coin is, okay, what do you want to add to your game to take your role and expand it? But then the other side of that coin is, what are some of the deficiencies that, you know, keep you off of the court? So if it's, you know, maybe your lateral quickness on the defensive end for a lot of players, um, they struggle with that, that's included in that 30%. Um, and if it's something that is major, that is really stopping them from getting on the court, then we start to shift that ratio a little bit. We'll move more to 60-40, um, where we're trying to help them with the deficiencies that are stopping them from getting on the floor, and we'll focus more on that. Yeah, I love that. That goes, that really lines up with, I always say, you have strengths, weaknesses, in the liabilities category. So I, I always break players down to three different categories as far as their game. I say, we all have strengths and weaknesses, but if you have a liability, you won't play, right? And so if you got a, if you have a huge area in your game that's holding you back, as you mentioned, your butt's on the bench, we're attacking that thing first. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what, what you do, right? And then from there, okay, we got our strengths, our weaknesses, and then we build into, I love that 70-30. I mean, that's that's perfect. So um, really good stuff right there. And I think effective for all of our coaches to think about, especially in the preseason, as we get some of these workouts in before basketball season starts with uh, some of our boys and some of our girls. Another thing you emphasized in your email was the importance of players and coaches to take ownership. So first off, you know, what does ownership mean to you? And then how do we start to instill that and spread that to other coaches and players? Yeah, I think this is, um, this is a, a huge piece when it comes to development. Um, a lot of times we look at it very, very one-sided and transactional. Uh, when really to me, player development, it, both parties have to own it, right? So as the, as the trainer and the athlete, we're both in partnership, right? It has to be a partnership that, that extends beyond your 60 or 90 minute on-court session. Um, 
we need to, again, like I said, if we're just meeting for the first time and we don't, we don't know this athlete, like there's some homework that goes into it. And that's the, that's part of the ownership as a trainer that, that I would take on um, homework going into this thing. What does this player like? What's their coach like? What's the system like? Um, and, and I'm owning that before they step into the gym. Um, same thing with, with a new athlete coming in. Um, like my expectation is for you to be able to tell me, okay, what is it that, that you feel like your strengths are, your weaknesses are? What, what do you see yourself in reality? What do you see yourself as far as a role on your team? Where are you at? Um, and that, that honesty is part of the ownership. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of times you see so many trainers out there, quote unquote, training programs, development programs, that it's, it's the 60 minutes that they're in the gym with this kid. And it's almost, it's, it's cookie cutter. It's kind of the same thing every time for every athlete. And to me, there's, there's no ownership in that. It's very transactional. It's one side, one size fits all. Um, the athlete comes in and might not say anything the entire session. Um, there's no ownership for, for the athlete on that side. Um, if it, if it's not a running dialogue throughout the session, there's, there's no ownership. There needs to be a give and take. Like our athletes need to be questioning, like this feels uncomfortable to me. Coach explain why, why would I do this? When would I do this? How's my defender guarding me? Where's the help side? Like those type of conversations need to go on. Um, and a lot of times at first, that is trainer driven. Um, athletes aren't real comfortable with that stuff. They don't know the questions to ask. They don't understand what the training should feel like, look like. Um, a lot of times they are thinking solely about themselves in the basketball. When in reality, we know it's five on five, there's 10 people out here. Um, so the questions that we start to draw on are, okay, when we, when we roll this thing into a larger picture and we're talking five on five basketball, all right, now what are your questions? Right, are they in man-to-man -man defense? Are they in the zone defense? It, do you have a shooter in the corner? Right, what, are we, what are we looking at? And that's some of the stuff that, that shows me that these players are bought in. They'll, they'll take the time to really examine what they're doing and question some things. I absolutely, absolutely love that. Communication is, is key for anybody at any level. And um, when, as you go through a workout with your players, talked about the communication piece, talked a little bit about how the beginning of a workout might look. What's the progression that you'd recommend for, for a coach who, you know, maybe they have 45 minutes, an hour with a handful of players on their team in a preseason, you know, what would a workout look like for you? So we're talking specifically uh, like a team preseason workout, getting ready for the season to start. So to me, um, one, it's, it's based off your style. Um, we're looking to, to emphasize things early. Um, and so we, we like to chunk things into three for, for our athletes and just for, for understanding purposes. So as, if, I'm, if I'm a coach and we're starting our preseason, I want to I bring our athletes in and I want them to understand our three pillars. Like these are three things that we have to embrace over this preseason. Um, if it's more than three, it's going to be very difficult. 
to for them to comprehend, for them to buy into, and for them to put into action on the on the course. So we thought three is kind of like that sweet spot. And so I'm figuring out, okay, are we playing fast? Are we looking to get out and transition? Um, are we are we playing a little bit slower pace? Are we banging the ball inside? Are we looking to get a lot of dribble drives? What, what, what's our emphasis? Once we figure out what our emphasis is, that's going to drive our, our skill, skill work. Uh, and then off of our skill work, that's how we'll figure out, okay, how do we break down our drills? What actions are we looking to get inside of our offense? And that's really where I would start. Right. We get our three pillars. We figure out how we're going to play. We work on um, conditioning. We work on um, the skill work side of it. So we always want to be able to dribble, pass, and shoot. So I would have a lot of that, those type of drills in early. And then after that, I would go all game action stuff. So what are the – like if we're uh, hitting the ball into the post and we've got uh, basket cuts or, or off-ball screens – like those are the concepts that I would get into right away, you know, going two on O, two on two, three on O, three on three, and just build up small sided games uh, because you're working the skill element of it. You're working your game action and offensively and defensively, both concepts are being put in and you're giving your, your athletes chances to make decisions and make reads. The earlier we can get them making decisions and making mistakes, the more progress we're going to see at an earlier rate in the game. Making decisions, making reads, making dis mistakes. Uh, you can rewind that one. I like, I like that a lot. And I think it's so vital that coaches go back to what you just stated. What's the style of play and how can we complement that with our off-season workouts, our practices? I mean, Hey coaches, let me take a quick break to thank you for listening to the Coaches Edge podcast. Our listenership continues to grow, and a big reason for that is the positive ratings and review. So if you haven't already, if you could take less than a minute of your time, leave a positive rating and review wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether that's Apple or Spotify, I would certainly greatly, hugely appreciate it. Again, the podcast is free to listen. So leaving a positive rating and review goes a really long way as far as your support. Thank you for being such a big part of the Coach's Edge, our growth. I can't thank you enough, and we couldn't do it without you. Let's get back to the show. For another skill development 1A, let's say you have a player who's really struggling finishing at the rim. Right? And so they, they want to come to you and really improve in, you know, say a month or two months, however long that they have. I know um, at this point in the year, there's a lot of players that reach out to coaches like us because they think we're miracle workers. And that's not the case, right? You can't make up in a couple months or what you haven't been doing for the past five years. <laughs> but what are some things that you might do with a player who's really struggling working on some of their finishing? Um, so for me, a lot of times when, when athletes struggle finishing, um, one is athletes don't play off of two feet enough. I think that's a big, big issue is we're not comfortable being on balance and able to come to a two foot stop. Um, so a lot of times that's where we'll start is we'll, we'll play everything off of two feet. Um, the, the other side of it is being able to make the reads is a huge part of why people can't finish because one, we, 
we see a gap, we drive it, but our attention and our focus is solely on the on-ball defender. And so I feel like if I can beat him, then the job is done. And I'm going straight to the basket. I'm jumping off one foot. And then whatever happens, happens after that. If we can get our athletes to stop focusing on the defender in front of them and start to focus on ball security. All right. So even though we're talking about finishing, my focus is going to be one, we're getting to two foot stops. But the flip side of that is you have to have the, the ball security and a go-to move to get your get you by your defender where you can take your attention off your defender and start making reads on the court. And some of that is getting our, our athletes to be able to play off a pivot versus trying to do everything off the dribble. A lot of times we get athletes on the perimeter that catch the ball. The first thing they do is put it on the floor. I think the only way they can go by a defender is by making a dribble move that they've seen on some highlights somewhere. In reality, if I can catch and I can beat you before I dribble, it's much safer and it's much more effective. So we'll start to work on playing off your pivot. Then we'll start to talk about, okay, where are my, where are my defensive reads? So I need to understand what the defense is going to do so I can understand how to exploit it. Some of that is knowing my personnel, right? If I have, if I'm on the wing, I've got a shooter in the corner. That's probably where I want to drive because if I've got a decent team that I'm playing against, they're going to scout. They're going to know to stay home on my shooter in the corner. It's going to open up my ability to drive that way. Um, you know, if, if it's a non-shooter over there, I know I've got to make some type of move because it's probably going to be a big dig coming out of the corner. Now, the other side is, you know, talking to them about what the backside rotation is, who's stepping up, who's helping the helper. And so we're, we're thinking more about the, the ball security to get by your defender than the, the defensive rotations and thinking about, okay, where are, my, where are my reads? And now as I get that athlete starting to drive, now they're, they're making decisions as they drive versus just, okay, I beat my guy, I got to go. And now I'm trying to take off off of one foot and fighting through contact. I'm off balance. And now when I shoot it, I'm thinking more about not breaking my leg when I land versus finishing the layup. So if we can get them to that point where they can, they can keep ball security, get by their defender, slow down, make reads, know the decisions kind of before they occur. And now I can play off of two feet. You know, maybe I've got the, the drop down pass. Maybe I've got the kick out to the corner. Maybe it's a quick finish off two feet. Maybe it's a, a pivot. Once I get in the lane, an up fake, a step through. Um, now we're starting to kind of get them to a point where they've got a better likelihood of, of finishing the basketball. Well, I love that because we started talking finishing and we transitioned all the way back into concepts, concepts. which is how we started talking about earlier, right? And then you think start about as a, as a coach, what are the situations that our team is continually in? Do they need help working on attack and closeout? Do they need decisions on attack and help side defense? Do they need uh, more decisions on uh, post type options, whether that's post, high post, low post, dump down type options, dunker spot, uh, or, or maybe some of those finishes are more transition based. You're a really fast paced team, right? And so you get a lot of opportunities to, to finish in transition or in secondary before the defense is set. What are those situations that you find yourself in if you're struggling finishing 
because there, there's a good drill for everything, right? But does it come back and apply with how we're trying to play better during the season? And if we can do that, then we're setting ourselves up for success. Now, one of the things that I love, Coach, about you is that you're also a coach. You coach the game. And I think this is a, uh, a missing link in the basketball training industry is those that actually have basketball coaching experience. So tell us how these two things have really helped you. You know, how has being a, a basketball coach, you can tell us a little bit about that, helped you as a uh, player development coach and how's player development coach helped you as a high school coach? Yes. No, I think that that is, I, I think you're right. I think there's definitely a missing link or a disconnect between kind of the player development world and the coaching world. It's almost like instead of the collaboration, it's more bumping heads a lot of times is what I see. Um, and I don't really understand it. Um, trying to navigate that has, has been tricky um, at times, but um, to me, I, I don't think you can have one without the other. And um but I also think that they can, they can hurt each other. Like if I am uh, solely a player development guy and I don't care what team you play for, who coaches you, how they want you to play, then all the work I do with you is gonna be very counterproductive when you go back to your team. And so I see that on the, on the coach's side, one of the things that I see is players that lack skill, right? So a lot of our, our players, they play off athleticism. They, they, they lack some skill. So I can clearly see the gap and the disconnect. My goal as a trainer, and this is kind of how I got to the, the kind of small-sided games and concept-based concept training, is because I need the stuff that I show you as a player to automatically translate for you. Um, and we've been doing um, player development primarily here in Jacksonville, uh, but then kind of traveling around the country, uh, putting on camps, clinics, working with programs, uh, did the AAU thing for a little bit. We no longer have any AAU. We are solely just player development now, um, but Man, just a just a hoop junkie. Love to love to learn. Love to work with coaches and athletes. And um, you know, this has just kind of been my passion for a long time now, and I'm excited to share it with people. Good looking out. Appreciate that. Yes, <laughs> as as, uh, as I said in the email, there were. I mean, there's a few you know actual basketball pages that I'll actually follow on Instagram or Twitter. Coach Thomas is one of them. Right. And I think his stuff is fantastic. He does a ton of small-sided games. He does a ton of decision-making drills. That is the meat of what he does is based on the concepts of the game and how players can improve from an individual standpoint using those different drills, right? Improving their skills. So that all in all, this is going to apply to better performance in a game. And I think one of the reasons that he's able to do that at a high level is what we were just chatting about is the fact that he's also a basketball coach, right? And so coach, again, could you tell us a little bit of how being a basketball coach has helped you as a trainer and how being a trainer has helped you as a basketball coach? Yes, so um, being in both worlds, um, player development um, and, and coaching, wearing both of those hats has really 
formed my philosophy. Um, when I was young and before I started coaching, my player development looked completely different. It was all micro skill stuff, working on um, stationary two ball dribbling, um, you know, stuff that I now still use a little bit, but more as a warm up. Um, because I see this, this huge gap with, with trainers, they'll, they'll, they'll build out programs that have nothing to do with what the athletes are actually doing in their current role with their, with their current team. Um, and I think that's, that's the missing link. Um, and every game comes down to decisions, right? So to me, the way you create a better basketball player is the way you create a better better team, right? If you can make better decisions as a player, your team makes better decisions, both are successful, right? The team is gonna be more successful, you're gonna win more games, the player is gonna be more successful, you know, even when they're looking at kind of the quote unquote selfish categories of points, assists, blocks, rebounds, um, all that stuff comes down to decision-making. So in my training, we start out every session and we're working on those micro skills. So whatever, whatever concept we're working on that day, we break it down to the base movement. Um, and, and we'll start to talk about that um, with the overarching goal of building it into a game concept. And then what we do is after the first 15 to 20 minutes is we start to get into small sided games where we're still trying to use that skill and that concept but we have the constraints of, you know, an on-ball defender, uh, a help side defender, a teammate, where we have to make that decision. Um, and we're looking to get into uh, breaking down different types of game action, um, on-ball screens, off-ball screens, transition. Like, that's how the game is played. And that's how you, in my opinion, that's how you create better players, is teaching them how to make those decisions. This episode is sponsored by Temple Fitness in Wayland, Michigan, specializing in athletic development through kickboxing, weightlifting, and MMA training, ranging from training basketball players, pro and amateur fighters, to the everyday person who's looking to get stronger or lose some weight. You can also train through the Temple Fitness app from explosive training to weight loss. They can assign the perfect workout and nutrition plan to ensure your success. So no matter what your goal or fitness level, Temple can partner with you to get the job done. Email templefitness111 at gmail.com. Again, templefitness111 at gmail.com or follow them on social media at underscore templefitness to get started. 